Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Bellog. I am the founder and chief groupie of Brand Groupies Consulting, where we obsess about your brands. Build your brand, rock your brand, and fans will come. Welcome, everyone, to the Brand Groupies podcast. I have an extra special guest with us today, uh, an established printmaker and painter, entrepreneur Anthony Migliaccio has been exhibiting his work since the 1970s. Anthony's work hangs in many prestigious collections, including Monmouth University, Georgian Court University, Monmouth County Park Systems, and many others. Anthony is also featured in Who's Who in American Art. And we're very excited because Anthony is having a solo art show this Saturday at 211 Gallery in Red Bank. So um, welcome to the podcast, Thank you. Anthony. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, full disclosure, Anthony is my dad. Oh, <laughs> So our secret. I am um, very excited to have him here because um, he has such a, an incredible background, not only as a painter, but also as an entrepreneur. And he inspired um, me as well as my sister um, for many years. And uh, we've always looked up to, to our dad. Nice. And I'm excited to share his story and uh, everything that he has accomplished. So welcome, Dad. Thank you. So Thank tell, you. tell everyone how you got started as an artist. Well, I've always been uh, very, very artsy when I was a kid and whatnot. And uh, when I went to college, I took a, a path in industrial education because I wanted to go into teaching, ended up going into art and getting certified in the art aspect. And um, from there, I, I really uh, got excited about... Uh, painting and drawing and things of that nature, pretty much self-taught up to that point. And, um, and then what happened was I decided to go for a master's degree, which I got in art education, but I, I majored in printmaking because I like to draw. So I did this whole thing in printmaking, set up a studio in my home after I had all that experience at Kane University. Um, and I really had a wonderful studio with a great printmaking press, and I had artists from the area come in and make prints, do prints, do all kinds of things. I did that for several years. And uh, as I went along in that direction, I decided that at some point in time, I would like to open up an art gallery, which is what I did in West End Long Branch. We had the art gallery, gem art galleries for... Uh, 10 years, I, I actually had that business. And it was really a good, good business. And I sold it after a certain amount of time. And, um, you know, businesses have their challenges. I was not a great businessman. I was really more into the art aspect. So after that, I decided that um, I had been teaching art uh, along the way. And in addition to having the business, I decided to um, move from the business and, and try my hand back at ed, in education because I really, really like teaching. And one thing led to another, and I, I, I got some uh, very interesting offers over the years uh, as a supervisor for arts education for three different school districts until I retired in 1980. And so that's pretty much the background of how I got into the art. Most of it I uh, really was self-taught. I had a few instruct instructors who uh, helped me along the way. Uh, 
John uh, Mike Metzger from uh, Kane University, Dick Honeymar from Monmouth University, and Nick Caivano from Georgian Court. They were like three mentors of mine who inspired me, and 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 that's where I pretty much got my my uh, mojo, so to speak, mm -hmm. to really go through with a career in the arts. Mm -hmm. Fantastic! And you've you've been painting since the seventies, but when did you start selling your your work? I think I sold my first piece professionally as a professional artist and anywhere I thought I was at the yep. time uh, back in 19 I think it was 1972 so yeah. that was pretty cool sure and you're and, still yeah and and still selling artwork and still painting and uh, uh, I get I actually moved away from the printmaking and got into painting uh, about 25 years ago and you specialize uh, now in a um, a style called plein air tell us a little bit right. about Right. Well, that that, style. The, the outdoor painting, that whole genre, uh, stems from uh, European artists way back in, in a couple of centuries. But it's painting outdoors is basically what it is and painting from life. And that, that's pretty much what the plein air genre is. And uh, what I do is I like to paint from life and paint outdoors and uh, do quick paintings and sketches and then use those ske sketches and paintings as references for larger pieces. That's pretty much it in a nutshell for me. Uh, there are so many artists out there. There's a big resurgence of plein air artists out there. Mm -hmm. I remember when now. you received the, was it the Geraldine Ford grant? Oh, the Geraldine. Yeah, the Geraldine. France. Yeah, yeah. And it was it France and Italy, right? Yep. So I remember. Geraldine we, R. Dodge. I uh, I tagged along on that trip, and we went to Cezanne's we house and we did. We the did. Van Gogh, we had a great time. Um, you know, birthplace, and on all of that. So that was pretty cool. So that was, mm. I think, my first exposure to seeing yep. you paint outdoors in France, and then bringing it back. And you had this whole collection right. of the, you know, the mm -hmm. paintings from mm -hmm. Provence, and it was uh, it was super cool. Yeah, that was fun. And and um, and where do you get inspiration um, to you know create? Um, scenic, you know, landscapes and plein air paintings? Um, when I see something that I like, it's usually something that is, uh, it has to do with nature. I like trees, sounds a little weird, but I like trees. I like mountains and I like water. So when you put those, when I put those three components together, uh, that usually makes a, a really good subject. And you can adjust the composition a little bit here and there, sort of cheat as you're doing it but um you want to make the composition really really work for you so mm -hmm. yeah. awesome well um the show coming up you have about um 40 pieces 40 which is um really exciting at the uh, uh 211 gallery in red bank mm -hmm. you know and i was thinking too i've watched you build your brand through the years having mm -hmm. the art gallery so um you know having run the, the art gallery business and now you're dealing with galleries who are showing your work and mm -hmm. carrying your mm -hmm. your work i'm sure that um gave you a lot of know-how and skills and how the business yes, kind of it worked did. to build the anthony migliaccio it did, because when, when I had the business, I had to learn about dealing with commissions and pricing artwork and so on and so forth. And um, by having that experience over the years, it really helped me in moving my own work into galleries that were interested in my subject matter. And it's, that's been a pretty, pretty good uh, move on my part. 
Nice. And as far as owning your own business, um, what's the best part about having your own business and doing things on your own? Well, my own business is me, myself, and I. <laughs> So that is one advantage that I have. I don't have employees or, well, I have one employee that looks over my shoulder. Yes. That's my wife. And she Shout critiques. out to Didi Migliaccio, yeah, Didi Migliaccio mom. She's great. And she will critique my paintings without yeah. reservation. Yeah. And I appreciate that because it's good to have an, another eye. But, you know, having the ability to just be my own boss and do it at, at my leisure, if, if you will, uh, is really, really good. And And I'm, Rather prolific. I, I, I seem to collect as many paintings as I sell, which are my own. But that's pretty much, you know, how I, I deal with it. And you have paintings everywhere from um, London to Canada. Taiwan. Taiwan. So how, how has the word, has it been mostly word of mouth or through marketing and mostly, build the Mostly brand? word of mouth. You know, when you when you uh, travel around in different social um things, whatever they may be, you come up with and you meet people that uh, are interested in your work and you never know who, you know, calls you up the next day and say, I, says, I would like to buy a painting or I would like one of your pieces, which just happened at this show. I had a, someone call me and, and come in to do a preview of the show and yeah. bought a painting. So awesome. That's pretty good. And it's it's really cool to see two friends and family who are um, Anthony Migliaccio collectors, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they keep adding to their mm -hmm. collections. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I love, we love taking pictures of their paintings on the walls in their environment, right. in their home, and, uh, you know, sharing that. And some of the early social. works that I've seen just by people sharing the paintings that they, they collect collected maybe 20 years ago. And the, the changes I've made, I continue to learn every time I go out and paint something new. So, uh, you know, it's sometimes I cringe when I see the early works, but that that doesn't matter. You know, the the it's in the eye of the beholder. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't let that bother me. And um, I know you you love to teach. So you have been holding workshops in the past. I have. You've done I have. And uh, I've had a lot of teaching experience and I really enjoy that. And one of the things that really uh, drives me to that is I see success of people with uh, in classes that I've had in workshops and really uh, take hold of this uh, genre of plein air painting. And I've seen people progress tremendously and it really is a, a nice feeling of satisfaction when you do that. Nice. And so you're so involved um, in the community as well, you know, and not only your network of buyers and, mm -hmm. and everything, but I know you judge competitions and do. didn't you serve as some, um, I don't know, president of certain oh, yeah. art early, organizations? Early on in the art education world, I was uh, president. I happened to do a whole bunch of presidencies. I don't know why or whatever, but I really enjoyed it at in the time. In your free time. And that was in the, in the early 90s, you know, president of the Art Educators of New Jersey and the Art Alliance of New Jersey. And really was able to give back in terms of making sure that the arts remained uh, critical and vital to the education programs in the state. So that was really mm -hmm. exciting. And then 10 years at Red Bank Regional. Yes, my right? last you 10 built, years. Helped build that program. Yeah, we, we took um, it over in 98. And um, What was it called? The Visual? Visual and Performing, performing Arts, Arts School. Right. And when I took it over, it was the Performing Arts School for the county. Well, it wasn't for the county. Uh, but it sort of was. That's hard to explain because um, the the program had been in existence for several years, 
And uh, the last person that uh, had the program did a great job prior to me. And uh, he left and became a principal, as I recall. And I took the program over and um, it really, um, it was great. We, we changed the name from performing arts to visual and performing arts. And we got certification for the visual piece through the state because you have to get that to be a vocational uh, program. So um, we had uh, art, we had singing, we had, you know, vocal, theater, um, piano, uh, photography. We had a lot of different programs that were vocationally certified and, and it was really great. We built it up to, uh, we would take kids from all over the, the county. They would come in, tuition mm -hmm. students. It was great. That's such a great reputation. Yeah. And I remember that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial um, spirit. Spirit. <laughs> Because I remember as a little girl, we would hang out in the art gallery. You would take us to work with you. I remember your coffee and in the morning and you'd be framing and taught us how to frame. And mm -hmm. we actually, Holly, um, my sister, uh, Holly Migliaccio is the founder of Rook Coffee. So she is super entrepreneur. And so I, I feel like we picked up a lot of the skills um, just being around you sure. day in and, and day out. And then you put us to work at the gallery. We did. We, when were we needed extra help. Framing and pictures. And I still feel like such a pro. And when people ask me to hang pictures, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I got this. I got this. Right. I know how to put it in the glass. I can take it out. Um, and uh, it was really cool. But the other thing I remember is you also had like a roller skating rental business. Like you oh, were yeah. doing all sorts of yeah, my, my, side hustle things. Yeah, we had something going on in the first uh, art gallery that we had. We, we saw an opportunity to do a roller skating rental thing. Right down on, know, was it Brighton right Avenue or Brighton Second Avenue? Avenue? We did that for several months and that was fun. Mm -hmm. We still that have some fun. of those skates, skates with the like, white skates with the orange wheels. Yeah, that's when roller skating was really popular. So I remember. Um, but that was a little aside. A side thing. Yeah. yeah. But it was cool. <laughs> it was Always fun. Fun, um, fun things, you know, um, going on. So when you meet a lot of aspiring artists, I think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I need to make money, you know, art is, uh, how can I make money in art? Is there any advice that you would give to artists who want to do that full time? And yes, I think that, uh, I'm, time? I wasn't the greatest businessman in the world. I actually, I was more interested in the art aspect of whatever I did than I was in going for the, the big kahuna or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I survived, and that was a good thing because of the learning experience. But I would say that um, if you wanted to go into the art field, you really need to decide where you want to go. If you're going into something that is really commercial, you may want to deal in G. Clay prints. Do your paintings, have prints made, pedal the prints, wholesale them, do that kind of thing. I mean, that in and of itself could be a huge, huge business. Uh, I didn't really opt for that kind of thing. I was more into selling my artwork through galleries and, uh, you know, personal contacts. And that's where really where I made my um, impact, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, just great to see you making, you know, you've built the brand and now you've been selling for Decades. I have. I mean, I hate to say I'm it, trying to do the math. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, which, which is, is good. incredible. And that's, you know, that brings me it's, to another topic. You yeah. Know, I, I, 
when when people buy art, you, you should I think you should look at the artist's background and 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 see where they've come from. That really may um, really help you decide in whether or not you want to invest in that person because a person that's been doing what I do for forty years, that's like a commitment. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that you know that that artist has really tried everything that they you know, ever aspired to try in terms of making art, just mm -hmm. making art. At, I mean, I taught every, when I taught art, I had to teach pottery, painting, watercolor, uh, drawing, uh, sculpture. And I learned so much just by the teaching piece that, um, you know, that was all part of my early experience. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And now um, you are focusing on the plein air. Do you see yourself going into any other direction down the road? Or are you like set, yes. this is your thing? Yes. I always have my mind on what, what should I do next? Not that I want to change from plein air because I really enjoy that experience. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, what I'm going to approach now is a larger format in my paintings. I have uh, my own collection of my own work. And... Um, I have so many, many pieces that I can resurrect or use as references. Uh, you know, that's not an issue. But a bigger format, maybe four foot square mm -hmm. paintings and uh, maybe a combination of panels and things of that nature. I have some more space in, a new, in my new, I'm in a new home. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have enough space to be able to do that. So I, I'm leaning in that direction. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, and so, of course, you know, you are also a musician. So you are oh, yeah. um, a guitar player, singer. You had mm -hmm. your band, mm -hmm. the, uh, the Shore Tones, S-H-O-R-E. I like that mm -hmm. name. I like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's good. One. What was your genre of music? Uh, oldies, 50s, 60s. Hey, but some of those tunes are like oh, the, greatest. the greatest. That's my They're big great. influence, too. Oh, That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Love that stuff. And sure. so for um, a number of years, I know you performed out. You also performed at Radio City Music Hall. Did that. That's which was claim exciting. To fame. The claim 6, to fame. people. Oh, Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. So when we, we, we opened the show for um, the Royal New York Doo-Wop show was the, the company that ran it. And uh, we, were the, we were the lobby act. That's so cool. And then when they opened the show, they put us on the stage. And if you're familiar with Radio City Music Hall, that stage rises from below the you know level of the main stage so that you can get into the downstairs part. And as they open the curtains, you're rising up, up to the main stage. That was pretty cool. We were on there and we had to sing, we had to sing the opening song. Wow. Yeah. What songs did you perform? I don't remember. <laughs> it's probably in the still of the night by yes. the five sacks. And you were the, any the lead beach, singer. Any Beach Boys numbers? We tried a couple, but the high the high octave. The, those falsettos. Uh, falsettos yeah. were kill tough. you. Yeah. yeah, they were tough ones, although we did a lot of that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good. We made a couple albums, and uh, we recorded in Shorefire Studios. I remember that. In Long Branch. Yeah. Yeah. Gary yeah. Talent had that place. I just wanted to mention that because music is such an influence, um, you know, in our lives. And and I think we grew up with you, obviously, playing guitar mm -hmm. around the campfire, mm -hmm. at the beach club, mm -hmm. you know, through the years. And I currently 
got back to playing guitar. Holly plays mm -hmm. guitar and mm -hmm. uh, mom plays piano. So we keep saying we're going to start a family, family band. band. Yeah. When are we doing the family band? <laughs> I don't know. Probably after we have a few wines at Thanksgiving. Exactly. I'll All produce right. it for you. Sounds yeah. good. I'll yes. do like a, like a three track EP for you. That'd be That's fun. Good. So I, I mentioned that because I feel like you're such a Renaissance man, like with the music and the art and um, has the music influenced your Absolutely. art? Absolutely. Yeah. There's tell so us about that. so many similarities between music and art. Interestingly, I don't read music. I mean, I can read individual notes, but I never learned, which is something I regret, but I never needed to really do it to play the guitar because that was all learned by ear. But there were so many similarities in creating. You get an idea in your head. Now, you, are you going to put it down in paint or are you going to pick up the, the instrument or play the piano to create that image of whatever? You can put uh, a narrative to paintings you can put a painting to the music, and I just think they're in my in my head. They always worked hand in hand for me. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are times when I'll put the paintbrush down and pick up the guitar because I have Your this mind just feel like better. feel like doing a little Van Morrison or something. Yeah, yeah. For myself. Sure, sure. So, in your man yeah, cave. Yeah, there are there are a lot in, <laughs> in my, your grandpa cave. cave. My grandpa <laughs> cave. So, and there are other things that, you know, forget as far as branding. I'm always um, talking about logos and branding, but you actually designed the the, the logo for Lighthouse Italian Ice, oh, Trollo's Lighthouse. Yes. Yeah, the you light, designed lighthouse, I did that the one. logo for Kramer Guitars. Yeah, you remember So that. you you definitely <clears throat> have had this branding, thing you know, going thing on, going yeah. on. And um, I don't know, I'm sure there are many others, but, um, you know, just some pretty cool Cool things that you did as an artist mm -hmm. and and really getting brands and understanding mm -hmm. um you know the essence that's a good good analogy the uh, guitar mm -hmm. logos yeah. yeah that's really huge for I sure mean, eddie van halen played the kramer right yes and when i think I that was around 1984 when kramer was in in neptune yeah um somebody came into my art gallery and, and someone that i didn't know but i knew through someone else they were looking for someone to to redo the Kramer logo for the Eddie Van Halen guitar, you know. Yeah. And that was the one with all the stripes on it and American. It looked like the American or British. Oh, yeah. It's iconic, the guitar. So um, I redid. They gave me what they had, and then I redid it. And that, that was my claim to fame yes. with the guitar business. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's yeah, great. Just a little, a little and everyone asks how Holly, my sister, designed the Rook Coffee logo, yeah. how iconic that is. And, uh, you know, cannot say that dad didn't have anything to do with, uh, <laughs> with the, in, the, the inspiration um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, the genes, yeah, I guess you could, right, you right. could say. So, uh, no, I thought that was, was pretty I do have a question exciting. for you. Out sure. of all the logos you've created, which one do you think is your personal favorite? Um, Even if it's something we don't know, like, still. I would have to say the Kramer only because of the story behind it. Not only, but. That is something that <clears throat> I can um, really share with other people. I mean, designing a logo is a very personal thing, too. And if you're doing it for a client or for yourself, you know, I try to d design a, a, a certain way to, to sign my paintings. This sounds a little silly, but Not for me, <laughs> the, the hardest part of my paintings is putting my signature on there. Because sometimes your signature overpowers the, the little painting. 
and, and the right, uh, the, getting the right the color. Kramer, yeah, the Kramer was was. I mean, I'm making a comparison here that probably is not really clear, but uh, the Kramer has the story behind it, and then the signing the paintings has a little bit of a story behind it too. But I ha had a lot of trouble trying to develop a logo of my own for the paintings, so now I just use a little brush and I I use a just a block lettering. I don't get into any crazy. Nothing thing. too fancy. Yeah, no big stamp or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But to answer your question, the Kramer was probably the most memorable. Wow. That was pretty cool. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, always look out for it yeah. um, around. So um, so that leads us to our question. What music do you like to listen to? This is a hard one for you <laughs> while you're while you're painting and working. Uh, you want it in order? In order. Yeah, give us a... Yeah, I'm still... I'm not a, a contemporary music kind of yeah. geek type of thing. I'm more in, and I'm not into the, I mean, I'm, as much as I'm into the oldies from the 50s and 60s, it's not something I would listen to all the time. But if you give me Van Morrison, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and the Allman Brothers, I'm in seventh heaven for days on end. Mm -hmm. uh, does that make oh, any sense? Yeah. Yes. You and my dad sure. would have got along <laughs> yeah. big time. My dad, like, not a lot of people knew that, but, like, he loved rock and roll. Oh, yeah. he That's did, so yeah. cool. Yep. Oh, man. Just digging through the vinyl records, I would find oh, those I have a lot all of the time. Yeah. We have a room in our house, a literal room of really? vinyls just up against the wall. But wow. like, I'll always pull out like a Van Morrison record and it's yeah. the coolest yeah. thing because my dad loved all that stuff. Yep. But what's your favorite record in your record collection? Um, in my record collection, I would probably say Bo Diddley. Now this this, it, this is interesting because Bo Diddley was probably the first vinyl that I ever bought, and it had a picture of Bo Diddley. I don't know if you remember Bo Diddley or uh, hear who he was, but um, he had a square guitar. The body of the guitar was square, and one of the first guys that really took the that instrument, the guitar, and turned it into something totally off the wall. That, like kind of customized customized yeah he had probably had several of them but i love the bo diddley that that southern you're talking about southern rock kind of yeah, gritty early. kind of you know one chord kind of thing i mean he was he was an icon he definitely wow. was my brother loves him and i have that album and i have that album in my studio where i can actually see it wow that's pretty cool yeah that's very cool yeah. <laughs> Don't sell it short. That's yeah, I awesome. Didn't, I didn't have to think too long. About yeah, you that. Did, right. Good question. Good question. Yeah, that was. That was awesome. And and you know we, we always ask the brand groupies challenge if your business were a song, what would it be? Oh boy. I don't really know. Probably uh, very superstitious. The Stevie Ray Vaughan mm. version. That's you know, um, pretty good song. I think that would be it. All right. Yeah. I don't know why I like that I know. song. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's a great I know. Like so, I like so many. So songs, many. You know? Yeah. But, but that's the one that sticks out yeah, to you. But Stevie Wonder's version is obviously yes, the best. Yes. But you play Stevie Ray Vaughan. There, sometimes the oh. covers can almost overshadow the yeah. originals. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, even though it. I love the Beatles. My favorite cover of their song, Buy With a Little Help from My Friends by mm -hmm. Joe Crocker, is oh, one yeah. of the greatest I've ever yes. heard. I will find myself listening to that more than the original. Mm -hmm. And I love the original. I saw that. Joe Cocker in person. 
<clears throat> oh, we forgot to mention you were at Woodstock, I was. which is another August August 6th. Amazing fact about it's officially your pops is the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> he is so much cooler than I will ever be. <laughs> he is. So uh Yes, you went to Woodstock. So let's, yeah. yeah. That was, I actually went to Woodstock by accident. I was uh, working accident? for the summer, yeah. And I had to student, I had to do my student teaching in, in the following fall. And a couple of friends of mine. Uh, we were 21, so you were. Yeah, I was 21. So Perfect a friend age. of mine invited us up to his father's camp up in Lake Saranac. And two guys and myself got in my car and we drove up. But little did we know that when, we only got as far as Union, New Jersey. As I remember, it was Union, New Jersey. The traffic was backed up on the Garden State Parkway. This is 1969. And we were, we were like, we knew this concert was going on. We had no intention of going there. But we got caught up in the traffic, and, and there were people in U-Haul trucks hanging out the back, you know, hippies, if you will. And uh, everybody was going to Woodstock. So we went to Woodstock, New York. We didn't know that the concert was in Bethel. Bethel. Uh -huh. well, by this time, now it's like late at night. No cell phones. You didn't have cell phones in those days. So we ended up driving most of the night finding Bethel, New <laughs> York, with all these other cars. That by the time we got there, so it had fun. to be midnight, one in the morning. Wow. And the cars all stopped on Route 17, and you couldn't go any further. And you had to get out of your car if you wanted to go to where the concert was being held at Yasgur's Farm. And uh, we walked most of the evening, and it was wild, just like what you see, saw in the movie. So who did you wonderful. see live? So uh, let's see. I saw Joe Cocker. I saw... Um, Oh, I can't. Oh, I said Crocker. My mistake. Um, but he, it is he, never, he never got voted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He didn't? No, he did not. Mm. Yep, he did not. You can research that. I just hmm. saw that recently uh, with an interview with Billy Joel. That bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, all, all the great people that were there, you can research it. Uh, did you yeah. see Hendrix? I did see Jimi Hendrix. On my, as a matter of fact, we were starting to leave um, our little location where we were sitting on the side of the, the valley. And uh, we had to go walk back to my car, which was several miles. But when we started our little venture there, Hendrix was playing and he did the Star Spangled Banner. And I did get to see him do that. I don't know what that makes me, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. It was pretty cool. That's like and Jefferson that's, Airplane, I remember. And, so you heard the infamous, his version of Star Spangled Banner that was apparently like yes. amazing. Can uh. talk about oh, iconic wow. thing. That was <laughs> Guess where my camera was? <laughs> in yeah, the, in the car? It was in the trunk ask. of my car. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but I can verify everything I'm saying because the two, my two friends are so... Matter of fact, it's yes. really weird that you bring that up because yeah. one of them just emailed me this morning. This is someone I, I probably get an email from once every five years because we sent emails out about the art show and mm -hmm. he responded. So, uh, and yeah, the whatever. 50th year is coming up. So, yeah, that's amazing. I went to the 25th year uh, reunion never, you'll, concert. You'll, you'll never was replicate. never the same. It was you not. Could never do it again. I know. I People know. Would fly Woodstock. Yeah. You can't. No, there's no way. There's no point. It was either. a happenstance. It just. Yeah. Exactly. It was. It was lightning in a bottle. It was. Mm -hmm. It was magic at that one moment right. in time. Right. I and I think that that's Jimi Hendrix performed there. But I think when he 
he got seen by I think the monkeys manager, and he went on the mm-hmm. road with them after Woodstock. I think I don't remember mm. that. But like yeah, uh, he was at the end. That was on Sunday. Oh no, this is a uh, this is afterwards. Before, yes, but, but long after. That. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Mike Nes no Mike Nesmith was one of the monkeys. Yeah. I don't know who the manager was. I forgot who it was. Like Bert Bert something, but I forgot. Yeah. It's been a while since yeah. I looked at it, but. That's incredible. That is, I know. That is so cool. So cool, right? Your pops is the man. I know. <laughs> what was nice about Woodstock, they had the music just kept playing over and over, uh, you know, all night long. And it, when it would rain, just, you just, music. just kept going. And they had one of these circular stages. It was all made out of plywood and whatnot, which broke down. So every time they had to move another band up, whether it was the band or whether it was Gracie Slick or it didn't matter. They had to, they had to, the they had to re, re set up the stage. And in between those things, certain people like John Sebastian would come out and do, how have you been, my darling mm-hmm. children, you know, just to keep the crowd Somebody would come out and do an acoustic number while they made made the. Ch- I thought I remembered those things, you know. Wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty. Cool. And you can go up there now. They have a museum. And, yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, we went uh, mm-hmm. several years ago. I think it's about ten years yeah. ago. A Woodstock Museum. They have, what they have yeah, like what, this, cool. what they have the stage. Yep, it's really a cool. Yep. It's an interactive kind of museum. Wow, and, it was really and the, neat. the grounds where they actually had the the valley is like sacred ground. You're not allowed to like step on it or anything pretty cool they have security guards that ride yeah. around it's, it's sacred land it now. is <laughs> wow so um so of course it's, it's cool to hear about the music influencing yeah. your your art and yeah. you know how you've been uh you know building building the brand and um i think that's I was gonna ask you your favorite thing but i think uh sitting in your studio and playing it's your guitar favorite. and yeah. your and painting um and uh, is awesome. So well, we're excited for the art show coming up. Yeah, so I wanted to um, mention your website, Anthony okay. Migliaccio. So um, it will be um, in the text how to spell Anthony Migliaccio. And dot your com. Uh, dot com. And then um, Instagram is anthony.migliaccio. And so the art show is going to run uh, September 8th through December 14th. Mm-hmm. So um, it's right in downtown Red Bank, 211 Broad Street at 211 Gallery. Uh, Saturday, September 8th from 6 to 8 is the opening reception. That's right. And you have um, about 40 paintings there. About 40 pieces. And uh, I know there's a, a special too if you um, purchase a painting the night of the just during the reception. The opening, the reception. During the, uh, I believe it's a 20%, 20%. special offer, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting. So, um, but I know people are already knocking down to buy paintings in that'd advance of the show. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That would be wonderful. So, um, so we're excited. So thanks, Dad. Anything else you want to mention? No, that sounds great. I mean, I it was, was really cool to hear your, Thank you for your background and, and how you've built your um, your brand. So. Um, most most lovely those, meeting you. Yeah, nice meeting you too. All those things we talked about, you know, you could go on and on and on and on. But um, I hope I was able to give you a little bit of a... Maybe you should start yeah. a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. All right. That's we'll invite our... all Woodstock attendees. Yeah, you, right. You can actually register at the museum as an attendee and they treat you like VIP. That Do they? Wow. Yeah. We got to go. That. I don't know. I don't know how we got to figure it out. Get oh, man. There. It's not that far away. I know. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Dad. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Yeah.